Greetings to the brightest audience in the country and welcome to Bob and Yart Live. I am Dominic Enyart. Today for the broadcast classic, we are going back to June of 2009. And this was right after abortionist George Tiller had been murdered. There was a anti-abortion vigilante who went and murdered George Tiller in Wichita, Kansas. And as pro-lifers here on Bob and Yart Live, on my show, The Dominic Enyart Show, at American Right to Life, we are all very anti-abortion. We uh, support the the complete and total abolition of abortion. Yet with that, it is so crucial that we as pro-lifers understand the dangers of vigilantism and that we understand that biblically it is not acceptable. And so I'm actually going to Wichita, Kansas this week for an anti-abortion conference. While I'm out of town, we're going back to shows where the late great Bob Enyart goes through American Right to Life's vigilantism worksheet, a worksheet that teaches that being a vigilante, biblically speaking, it is simply unacceptable. So let's jump right into the broadcast. Greetings to the brightest audience in the country. I am Bob Inyard, the pastor of Denver Bible Church. We are going to offer to WorldNet Daily an exclusive for print media, but here we will announce, as you heard yesterday, the plans. Now you can see for yourself on the internet the George Tiller Memorial. And this is a very simple elegant, powerful, devastating memorial, the georgetillermemorial.com. You can go to it online. It will be updated over the next couple days, but it simply will not become more powerful than it is already. You might want to type in, you could type in any of the obvious domains georgetillermemorial.com or .org, thegeorgetillermemorial.com or .org, tillermemorial.com or .org, rememberingeorgetiller.com or .org, rememberingtiller.com or .org. And the memorial is dedicated to one of George Tiller's victims, little Tess, a little girl who was killed because she was not genetically pure. And there are pictures of the little girl, of her parents, opposing with their dead daughter who had just been killed by George Tiller. In the chapel, the makeshift chapel that George Tiller had inside of his abortuary. He also had a crematorium in there, an incinerator where he burned up the babies to dispose of their bodies after he killed them. And there are photos from the memorial service of little Tess with her parents posing with her, a handwritten letter from the mother about her decision to kill her daughter and the deep regret and tears that she has shed since And so that is now all available online 
As I said, just go to thegeorgetillermemorial.org. I guess that is the domain that we should use primarily when we refer to this, thegeorgetillermemorial.org. Also, that memorial has a link to the American Right to Life Abortion Vigilantism Worksheet. The Abortion Vigilantism Worksheet at American Right to Life, and I have indicated that I'm going to go through this worksheet, the questions in it, so we as a group, the audience and the staff here at Bob and Yurt Live, we can talk through the principles involved in deciding whether or not it's right or wrong to kill an abortionist. Right? This online worksheet has a subheading, and it states that lethal force in a park to save a child is justified. Why is it wrong against an abortionist? And there are people who obviously who are defending the killing of George Tiller. And what I've asked people to do, just a handful have contacted Bob and Yurt Live, we've asked them, take this questionnaire, answer the questions on this worksheet at American Right to Life, and then call in with your specific disagreement because there are fundamental principles involved and quite often we come to conclusions at a high level. If you're familiar with programming, the protocol stack for networking, then at a low level you've got a physical network and you come up through the stack and you've got networking protocols, and you get to the top, and you get to a user application like email. And you say, send this message, and it goes to somebody. Well, how does it get to that person and their computer? There's levels of abstraction. And in programming, as well as in drawing moral conclusions. And so sometimes we're operating at a rather high level where our conclusions involve two or three or four principles and they have foundational principles and our conclusions have all kinds of consequences. Ideas have consequences, do right and risk the consequences. And quite often we're not even aware of the underlying assumptions we're making in our conclusions. And we haven't even thought through the implications of our conclusions Someone said to me, well, I think it's a good thing to kill an abortionist. So I asked, you have kids? You have grandkids? Oh, yeah, I have, I have a dozen grandkids. Would you want one of your grandkids to kill an abortionist? Then there was a long pause. And I said, it's not only the abortionist, it's also all the collaborators and the accomplices. Like in Germany, it wasn't just the commandants of the extermination camps, it was the German hierarchy, the governing officials who advocated, supported, defended, authorized, funded the slaughter of millions of innocents. So is it only the one who pours in the Zyklon B gas at Auschwitz? Is that the only one? that you would be justified in going after? How about the governing officials? Would you want one of your grandkids to kill an abortionist or to kill a pro-choice governing official? 
And when people have that question posed to them, people who flippantly say that it's good to kill an abortionist, that causes them to reconsider. Because typically we all want our kids to do things that are good. And I tell you, if my kid could be the one to kill Osama bin Laden, man, would I be happy. In fact, at Denver Bible Church, we have our building fund program, which is we got a a retired Denver police officer, and he's signing up dads to go to Pakistan to try to hunt down and kill Osama bin Laden. We get $40 million for our church growth program. That's our church building fund project. I'm only kidding, but we don't have a church building fund ongoing collection, do we? No, we don't. But at least we take a collection at church, right? Oh, we don't do that either? How in the world do we... Oh, we have a box in the back of the church. And we beg with people every week to put money in the box? Oh, we don't even... No? We let people know there's a box in the back of the church. Because we don't want to offend visitors who've heard that Christianity is only about money. So for that reason, we downplay... A collection in church. That's right. That's at Denver Bible Church. But I would be proud if my son, and right now we've had a number of kids in the military. Right now we have one who's active. And if he were involved in capturing or killing Osama bin Laden, I'd be thrilled. I bet you there are millions of parents who'd be thrilled to have their son have that honor. But those who flippantly say, oh, it's good to kill an abortionist, do you want your son to be the one to do that? And would you do that? Well, I'd like us to go through some of these questions, and we'll have to do this over a couple of shows. So I'm committing ourselves, Lord willing, to a somewhat comprehensive discussion of this issue. And if you'd like, you could go to AmericanRightToLife.org and follow along with me. Right now it's on the top of their homepage. The ARTL Abortion Vigilantism Worksheet. There's instructions. And the worksheet instructions state, by American Right to Life's understanding, the correct answer to each multiple choice question appears as the first choice. So this is not an exam, but it's a teaching tool. So American Right to Life wants to help the reader think through the relevant principles involved in concluding whether it's right or wrong to go out to kill an abortionist. And American Right to Life encourages those who go through this and disagree to contact them and to let them know which question they disagreed with and why. So let's proceed. Question number one, as a general statement, the government does have the authority in certain circumstances to use lethal force. That's question number one. And you answer either true, unsure, or false. And if you write unsure or false, then there's a space where you could enter your reason for disagreement. And the fact that true is the first option, that lets you know that American Right to Life is indicating that they believe the correct answer to this question is true. This is a question of principle. As a general statement, the government does have authority 
in certain circumstances to use lethal force. Right now, there are some people that are pacifist, and they're simply wrong to be pacifist. It's immoral. It's a violation of Jesus Christ teachings, and the New Testament is filled with a defense of the death penalty, execution of capital criminals by men, by earthly governments. In fact, we have a best-selling DVD called The New Testament and Capital Punishment, God and the Death Penalty, New Testament Support for Capital Punishment. And if you Google God and the Death Penalty or God Death Penalty, you should get your number one number one ranked webpage out of millions should be the Bob Benyart Live article on God and the Death Penalty. In fact, Antonin Scalia for years has an article on a similar topic, and he's been rated number two, three, or four, depending on what year it is. And our article has been number one for years. So if you think the New Testament doesn't support the death penalty, you need to think again. But question number one of American Right to Life's vigilantism worksheet doesn't even refer to the death penalty, per se. It just says, as a general statement, the government does have authority in certain circumstances to use lethal force. So, for example, if it was World War II, the period of World War II, and you're in Korea, and you're a governing official in Korea, and Japanese soldiers have come into your country in order to kidnap Korean women, young Korean women, to force them into prostitution, to service the Japanese army during World War II, would you, as a government and a governing official, would you have the authority to use force, including up to lethal force, to stop the Japanese from kidnapping your Korean wife or your Korean daughter or niece in order to force her into prostitution. That's the kind of superiority complex that the Japanese had as a nation, as a society, during World War II, and they have since, and somewhat recently, apologized to Korea for that despicable chapter in their history. But from God's perspective, because his is the only perspective that matters on issues of right and wrong, You know, the Japanese at the time, they would have said, hey, we're justified for doing this because it's the survival of the fittest and the strong can kill the weak. And we are stronger than the Koreans. And so we're going to take their women to service our soldiers. And from their perspective, it was right. But from God's perspective, it was wrong. God condemns kidnapping as a capital crime. And of course, all sexual crimes that are attendant to kidnapping, therefore also would be capital crimes, including rape, including forcing a woman into prostitution. So as a general statement, the government does have authority in certain circumstances to use lethal force. American Right to Life answers that first question, true. We'll go to question number two, which is a principle question. As a general statement, it is justifiable for the government to execute someone convicted of murder. True, unsure, or false? Now, there are plenty of Christians who have been deceived by liberalism into opposing the death penalty. 
and they don't realize when they do so, but they are undermining the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because every argument they buy into that implies in some way that the death penalty is evil, it's cruel, it's barbaric, it's unwise, it's unjust, every one of those arguments attack at the heart of Christianity. Because the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is at the center of the gospel. And therefore, the death penalty is at the heart of Christianity. And if you've been duped by some liberal argument into coming to think that the death penalty is somehow immoral, somehow wicked, somehow unwise, then God the Father was wrong in requiring the crucifixion, the death of Jesus Christ, in order to fulfill the demands of justice, in order to pay the penalty that was due by those who have sinned and rebelled against God. So the death penalty is at the heart of Christianity, and the New Testament is filled with support for capital punishment. And if you think that's not true, just read our article, God and the Death Penalty, New Testament Support for Capital Punishment at our website. You're listening to Bob and Yurt Live. I have the honor of pastoring Denver Bible Church. We used to be in Denver. Now we're located in Arvada, Colorado. And if you're in Colorado, please come and visit. If you're coming through Colorado, please come and visit on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Or if you're anywhere in the country or the world, you can Google God and the Death Penalty or go to our website, KGov kgov.com, click on writings, and read the article, God and the Death Penalty. Or you can call us, and this this would help us the most, if you called us and ordered our DVD, God and the Death Penalty, New Testament Support for Capital Punishment. And what is the price of that? $24.99. $24.99 for the Bob and Your Life DVD, God and the Death Penalty. You can call us one 888 or 1-800-8-N-Y-A-R-T. They both come to the same studio. 1-800-836-9278. 1-800-8-N-Y-A-R-T. You could order God and the Death Penalty, 90-day money-back guarantee, as with all of our materials. And if you're not a Christian and you write to us, we will send to you for free our Mount Moriah DVD, Evidence for the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, now... As a general statement, American Right to Life is asking, is it justifiable for the government to execute someone convicted of murder? Now, I don't know if you've ever done the research to look at the recent history around the world where governments banned the death penalty and compare that. If you do the research and you look at and American Right to Life has done this research years ago, create a table of the years in which governments, nations, abolish the death penalty. Put that in one column. Your first column is the names of countries. Second column is the year they abolish the death penalty. Third column, the year that they legalize killing unborn children. And if you go through that exercise, someday American Right to Life will publish their research report, their white paper on that topic. You'll be stunned to see the frequency, how often nations that 
abolish the death penalty, then legalize the killing of unborn children. It is absolutely stunning to see the parallel and how often there is that connection. And why would that be? Because God said, God said, the Lord God said, do not profane me by killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live. God said that. You know how angry God was at King Saul when God said, kill him, and King Saul refused? King Saul had exceptions. Oh, yeah, he killed some, but he didn't kill one. Now, the Republican Party would say, hey, this is our guy. This is our guy because, look, he killed most of the people who were supposed to die, and he only had an exception. He just didn't kill one. God was so angry that God eventually saw to it that King Saul was deposed. His sons, who were in support of their father in his rebellion and disobedience to God, his sons were killed violently, and he was dethroned, and King David not only took his place, but Saul lost his chance for an eternal dynasty on the throne in Israel. And God said through the prophet to King Saul, you and your descendants could have sat on this throne forever, but because you've disobeyed God, God is ending ending your dynasty now. And so imagine when God says, execute all these people, and the leader has exceptions, and he executes everybody except for one, and God is so angry, and the prophet went, Samuel, and the Bible says that Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Now, you'll never find that verse on a plaque hanging over a door at a Christian bookstore. Samuel hacked Agag to death. No, not to death even. Samuel hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. And so if God gets angry when he says, put this person to death, and someone on earth profanes God, profane means to consider God common so that we don't have to obey God, and someone on earth overrules God and says, no, we don't have to put the murderer to death. I'm nicer than God. I overrule him. Let's not do that then imagine when God gets so angry, if you don't execute someone deserving of death, imagine how angry he will get when you do kill someone not deserving of death. When George W. Bush has slaughtered 111,801 children in eight years by his own policies, 111,801 children slaughtered by George W. Bush slaughtered by his own policies, his own funding, his own advocacy. That's quite a few, huh? How many extermination camps killed fewer than 111,000? There are a number. You know, most of the Germans' extermination camps were in Poland, right? Somewhere elsewhere. And the big ones slaughtered people by the hundreds of thousands. But I tell you, George Bush's body count is up there with the extermination camps of World War II. It's in the list. And it's not, on, it's not the smallest in terms of bloodshed. And so God says, do not profane me by killing people who should not 
die and keeping people alive who should not live. And you could look up that Bible verse for yourself, or you can read it in our article, God and the Death Penalty, or you'll see it on the screen in our DVD, God and the Death Penalty, New Testament Support for Capital Punishment. New Testament Support for Capital Punishment. Many, many verses in the New Testament supporting the death penalty. So American Right to Life says, as a general statement, by the way, National Right to Life, they oppose personhood. Not only it's the wrong timing, they even oppose it in principle. But they oppose personhood. They advocate only regulating of murder. They advocate laws that end with, and then you could kill the baby. If the law doesn't end with, and then you could kill the baby, they're not fans of it. In fact, they'll oppose it. And they don't take a stand on the death penalty. You see, when you don't build your worldview on God's word, when you build it on Republican Party politics and your hope of getting large donations and winning elections, then you'll compromise everywhere, anywhere, and half the time you won't even know you're compromising. And so we are not the national right to life. You know, any country in the world can have a national right to life. We are the American right to life. In America, there was a time when America taught the world that the death penalty was godly, it was justified, it was righteous, and it was necessary for a just society and one that humbled itself before God. And so the American right to life is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not ashamed that Christianity is based on the death penalty and that the death penalty is at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of that. For one, we're aware of it. National Right to Life doesn't even know it. And if you point it out to them, they'd be ashamed of it. And so they have, they have no possibility of winning this battle because they are, they are advocating what, what Roe v. Wade was. Roe v. Wade was a regulation of abortion. That's what Roe v. Wade was. National Right to Life advocates variations on Roe v. Wade. They just keep regulating child killing. That's all they do. Roe v. Wade was the regulation of the killing of unborn children. It regulated it. It explained in what circumstances you could kill an unborn child. National Right to Life offers variations of Roe v. Wade. That's all they do. So the American Right to Life asks question number two as a general statement it is justifiable for the government to execute someone convicted of murder. True, unsure, or false. And American Right to Life expects people to understand that that is true. Question number three. It is justifiable for the government to use force up to and including lethal force to prevent the commission of a murder. True, unsure, or false. True, unsure, or false? Does the government have the authority to use force up to and including lethal force to prevent a murder? And American Right to Life indicates the answer to that is true. So you not only have God authorizing governments to execute convicted murderers, but you also have God authorizing government to use lethal force to prevent a murder, up to lethal force. Question number four, principle. It is justifiable for a civilian to use force, even lethal force if necessary, in defense against 
an unjust and imminent deadly threat. If you have an unjust and imminent deadly threat, imminent means what? For the public school teachers tuning in right now, impending, about to occur. It is justifiable for a civilian to use force, even lethal force if necessary, in self-defense against an unjust and imminent deadly threat. True, unsure, or false? American Right to Life says we should understand that is true. God has granted to civilians the authority to use force, even lethal force, to prevent a murder. We'll continue with this worksheet, Lord willing, but please, if you can, read through it at AmericanRightToLife.org, print it out, answer the questions for yourself, and then we'll continue talking through it. This is Bob Inyart and Maranatha.